Tell us about your organization, the Red River Rainbow Seniors. The Red River Rainbow Seniors started uh, two years ago. Um, the AARP hosted a gathering for LGBT seniors um, during Pride Week in Fargo. And it was at that meeting that, that things just came together to start this group here, and it's really been growing and doing very well. How many members do you have now? Um, well, we have we have at least thirty who are, let's say, official <laughs> joined members, but sure. there are there are others, you know, oh, yes. who who are with us. And what would you describe as the mission of the Red River Rainbow Seniors? Well, part of the mission of of the Red River Rainbow Seniors is to uh, provide a, a let's say a social uh, environment for LGBT seniors in the in the region, uh, and to um, work for change in terms of, of uh, uh, the needs of seniors. Uh, for example, um, we would like to work to make sure that, that facilities that cater to seniors in the, in the community um, understand that some of the clients are LGBT people and to, uh, to be able to interact comfortably with them. You have seen remarkable change about this issue in your lifetime, my lifetime. Uh, yes. Uh, so talk about the impact on, on your life. Well, um, I, I came out when I was uh, around 30 in the late 1970s. And, of course, things were very, very different then. And, and it's, I mean, the, it's just phenomenal what the changes that have occurred. Uh, so I came out f fairly late. And... It, it, it was really a remarkable experience for me. It was like really discovering myself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I, I was so excited about this that I was energized to, to work for a lot of uh, things related to LGBT concerns and uh, was very active in the community and, and politically for we quite a while. mention that you're an emeritus professor at, from MSU Moorhead where you taught philosophy. For right, many years. Right. So out there for 36 years. Uh, let's talk about this oral history project, Breaking Barriers, Harvesting LGBTQ Stories from the Northern Plains. Uh, how long has this been going on? Well, the, the uh, idea of the oral history project was uh, Larry Peterson, a, a, an emeritus professor of history from NDSU. It was his idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually got started in, in May of 1917. I mean, 2017, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he got together with some people to to work on this idea, and we established a committee, and then we actually started doing the first uh, interviews and so on in uh, November of 2017. I should add that we've had a very valuable consultant uh, in this project, Angela Smith, who uh, is a public historian at NDSU who has a lot of experience with oral history. And she um, helped us a great deal, and she did two trainings for people who are working as interviewers on the project. Well, let's get a bit of a sample here. Uh, we have one of these stories, an excerpt. Uh, and it, in this particular excerpt, you'll hear from a woman born in North Dakota in 1945. She wishes to remain anonymous, and we've also deleted the name of her partner. But she did share her story in a conversation with Project Volunteer Larry Peterson, whom you mentioned. Here's her story. Can you describe your process of coming out? Well, I think because we knew each other seven years, and she was a professional in town, and we didn't have a, 
an intimate relationship at all, then it seemed like it was a slow process because first few years, or probably six out of seven, we assumed it was a friendship yet. So the process of her and I were was slow because it was a long friendship, which was very beneficial, as it turned out. You know, it's... I couldn't use the word lesbian for a long time, and it's still not a favorite word for me. I don't like all those labels, and that's a hard word for me. It's some... It's somehow such a negative word, and I don't know why, except now, now since since I've gotten older and lived here long enough, I've been to sermons that have preached against homosexuality in my sister's church. <clears throat> so I've heard it, and I've heard stupid stuff on TV, as you might imagine. So I've gotten some negative stuff that way, but I feel so accepted in the community I've come to that I don't care about all that like I used to. But it was a lot of shame and a lot of not being who we were except inside our own house. Yeah, Work has always been good because I'm always the oldest one working because I didn't start working until I was 41, 40, well, 45 really, wasn't it? mainly so I haven't felt that the younger generation does a lot better with it and I don't use any identifying language about a relationship typically until I know somebody pretty well but um, and my family loves but it still feels like I can't tell them about us because first of all they're so old fashioned second of all they're so religious and they still are, and most of them are still Assembly of God or something close, Baptist or something. <clears throat> so I still don't talk about it. So that, I guess, is the discrimination. But I've chosen that I'm doing fine. We're doing fine. So I don't want to be abandoned by my family, which I have been by a daughter because of who I was. So I did get some abandonment with her for 10 years, but it's been mended and we move forward, and it's hard to get past <clears throat> some of the things she said to me, but one can't hold on to that because that shortens my life and nobody else's. <laughs> so so you, you have been in a long-term opposite-sex relationship, right? So you were married. I was married 25 years, yeah. And you have two child, two, two daughters. Two daughters, yeah. And, um, you said one of your older daughter was not accepting. Right. And that went on for about 10 years. Yeah. How about your younger daughter? She's always been fine. She, She's always been more open-minded about all those things. Are you Are you married? Come no. On. A couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, we opted to do a trust to protect ourselves. And that was before it was legal in North Dakota. And um, it became legal in North Dakota right during that process, and we had that option. That was would have been a time to do it. But we had spent enough money to get to that point of the trust, and neither of us really cared about that. So, no, we didn't and won't, most yeah. likely. But with the trust, it seemed like it covered things. The, the attorney said it would cover things better than a marriage might. So we are fine. That was our big concern is taking care of each other in nursing homes and hospitals or whatever. And... We feel that's all covered, and so marriage didn't matter anymore then. Okay.
So what church do you go to now? We go to St. Mark's Lutheran Church. That's The pastor is a gay man who's married, which we very much appreciate. And so not everybody there is gay, but certainly gay-friendly. They wouldn't be there, and which is the, what that church has been known for for a lot of years, I think. And, you know, if you're ever looking for a church and, and you're gay, that really, and, and you're some, somewhat in the Lutheran line of thinking, it's a very open-minded place to be, and everybody is open and caring and welcoming. Yeah. Um, how do you think being a lesbian has changed over your lifetime in terms of how people treat you? It seems like I don't have to be on guard about who I am anymore. I might not identify my relationship to people, but I'll always say, if if it fits the conversation, I'll just say, well, I blah, blah, blah. Or um, if somebody says, who do you live with? I, I don't say I got a roommate, that kind of language anymore. That has all changed. I don't have shame with that or fear or whatever it was then and probably a little of everything. That has all changed, and I think the younger generations help that because the people I've worked with, what do they care? They just get a kick out of my stories like anybody else. Sometimes I've missed not being able, you know, so married people can can say, oh, my wife last night dreamt some blah, 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 and sat up and blah, 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 and it's like, sometimes I can't felt like I couldn't tell those kinds of stories. Sometimes... In the past, I felt like I can't tell those stories. I don't have that problem anymore. I just, I wouldn't tell them to my family, but there's no other limits to that. So I can, I feel like I can be more of who I am, and it's changed in the comfort zone of all that. Again, that excerpt was provided by the Red River Rainbow Seniors in their oral history project titled Breaking Barriers, Harvesting LGBTQ Stories from the Northern Plains. Larry Peterson was the voice conducting that interview. And uh, right in studio with me, Mark Chicola with the Red River Rainbow Seniors. Uh, Mark, uh, this eventually goes to the North Dakota State University archives? Yes, yes it will. And uh, if somebody wants to get involved, somebody out there listening says, you know, I'd, I'd like to get involved in this oral history project. What do they do? Uh, well, we have, we have an email address. Uh, it's, it's simply the name of the group, Red River Rainbow Oral History Project at gmail.com, Red River Rainbow Oral History Project at gmail.com. And uh, if someone wants more information, they can, can write to us there or uh, if they have suggestions, for example, uh, or are volunteering to be a, a person that could be interviewed. Have you recorded a history? Um, I haven't done my interview yet, mm-hmm. um, but it, I will be doing it very soon. Yeah. Uh, are a lot of these, because you're dealing with seniors uh, who are have been at an age when this was a not an easy thing to do, when it was much more problematic, are these difficult stories to tell about coming out? Um, well, for some people, I think it is. Uh, the the uh, oldest person who's been interviewed is 87, mm. uh, and I suspect that it was a harder thing for that person than it might be for for someone who you know now is is 60, let's say. Um, but um, you know, these are stories we want to record and to make sure that that uh, these lives are are not hidden or erased. You know, it can sometimes be difficult to know when to share something. I mean, when I walk up to somebody, I don't say, hi, I'm Doug, I'm heterosexual. So when 
when do you share? <laughs> what, what are the indicators yeah, yeah. for you? Well, that, you know, that, is, that has been a diff and, and continues to be a difficult issue for people. It was certainly much more difficult in the past. When I first came out in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, people were very, very timid. For example, uh, there was kind of a code that if you uh, had met someone else who was gay at a social event, that you would not acknowledge them on the street, <laughs> which I found really just awful. But, but I mean, that was... Sounds a little like Alcoholics Anonymous or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is not a good way to live. And, and uh, it certainly is, is good that things have changed, so there's much less of that going on. What about the whole issue about marriage? Mm -hmm. uh, they, she, in her description, talked about, no, they, did, they didn't have marriage. They, went, they were put together a trust. Yeah. But how pervasive is the interest in marriage? Um, well, first of all, let me say that, that I never believed that there would be same-sex marriage in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I was just amazed at how quickly uh, uh, that move to establish it uh, occurred. Um, let me also mention that, that there are many people who have questions about marriage just in general and the, the institution of marriage. And so for some people, they feel that maybe uh, there are things about it that, that are um, I mean, while there are very good things about it, there are some things about it that are not so good, and so there may have, let's say, reservations on the basis of the sort of cultural uh, implications of marriage and the history of marriage. So that would be some of the things. Um, certainly, uh, people are concerned to be legally protected. Uh, so, for example, uh, uh, to uh, if you have health insurance through work that and and seek to have your your partner covered that that can be done. Um, they're concerned about how things are handled in terms of inheritance and the joint ownership of property. And so having uh, marriage possible is, is good for that. Um, but as, as the, the interviewee and in the segment you played indicated, they, they had worked that out through a trust, uh, although they did that before marriage was even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm kind of getting at there, too, is that suddenly it's legal yeah. to be gay and to marry. And now, a few years after that, who cares? <laughs> I mean, it's like what used to be this serious problem for lots of people is, yeah. is like, what happened to it? Well, it certainly hasn't gone away. I mean, you had this recent Supreme Court decision about the baker mm -hmm. you know, who who didn't want to bake a cake <laughs> for a wedding, and, uh, and a decision of the Supreme Court that, that some of us find really problematic. Um, so you still have a lot of that around where people really are very negative about us and our relationships. And she's got her fa in her family, her older daughter, basically disavowing yeah. her for a while. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I know it's still out there. Yeah. I know that there are still people who harbor certain strong opinions about this, but it certainly seems to be a, a quieter, friendlier place. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been, there have been phenomenal changes, but we, we have to not let us think that everything is okay. I mean, there certainly are people now who are very concerned to have the right to, uh, to discriminating, discriminate against gay people on the basis of their religious beliefs and efforts to, uh, 
to make that legally possible. And what sort of uh, standing do you have in terms of going after it, a religion that basically says what you're doing is immoral? I, I mean, it, isn't there a debate to be had there? <laughs> um, well, well, certainly there's a debate to be had, and, and um, the way you have to to deal with that is, I mean, legally is similar to to uh, laws concerning uh, race. I mean, there were certain religious groups that had uh, uh, certain attitudes towards race, which you know can no longer be carried out in terms of business and and so on and so forth. And um, so that would be a way of, of bringing about change, and then over time uh, to bring about more significant social change. During the Jim Crow years, there was a there was a booklet that was published for black families uh, if they were traveling. About it would tell them, you know, where they could find accommodations and things like that. Uh, it, was there before all of this changed uh, among people who considered themselves gay, a uh, sort of a gay friendly <laughs> uh, list of people that you could deal with? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very common, and there were you know there were books available. And with the advent of the internet, let's say internet sites available to give you advice as to uh, places that that you would find yourself feeling comfortable uh, at staying and so on. In your own experience with your family and your friends, uh, how did this coming out in your, which is now years, decades ago? Yeah. How did that affect them? Um, you know, well, well, it was it was something that we had to deal with, and and you know, at the time I was at, that I came out, um, it you know there was much less understanding and so on. So, um, uh, in the case of my father, for example, it was it was a, a slower process than with my two siblings. Mm. Uh, I waited I waited a year before uh, talking with him about it, and in the end, everything worked out fine, and he. Uh, he spent his his later years living here in Fargo, and and was part of my you know social milieu, uh, and many of my gay friends were um, astonished at how comfortable he was, you know, having having dinner with you know nine gay men. <laughs> <laughs> well, around the time you make this revelation to your family and friends, in 1973, homosexuality was no longer declared a mental illness by the American Psychiatric Association's Board of Directors. So uh, that's quite a change yeah, in a that's, lifetime. That's, yeah, and, and you know, when you have that kind of thing that, uh, you know, a profession mm -hmm. uh, uh, has regarded, has regarded your, your, your nature as, as, uh, as an illness, uh, that certainly is a, ter a terribly difficult thing to deal with, isn't it? Yes, I would think so. <laughs> and well, Mark Chicola with the Red River Rainbow Seniors, uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, thank you for having me here.